To another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am also Mike, and I'm going to be joined today by Ryan McQuaid of In Session Film, Awards Watch, Awards Radar, and Filmspeak.com. This man is everywhere, and we are doing what will be part one of a two-part Fall Oscar Race Checkpoint special. Guys, we talked about so many different things, I can't remember them all, but uh, I know we start with the Fall Film Festivals. I know that's a through line, certainly through part one, where we review the films we loved, we, we hated, we really didn't hate much, but certainly the focus of this episode, part one, will be on performances, will be on the four acting categories, and we also have some Netflix talk mixed in. Part two will be more of a discussion on the awards calendar at large, we're going to go month by month and talk about the shifts in the race ahead of us. And we're certainly going to speculate about what movies could move back in, for better or worse. Move back in to a Sundance launch release date. Move back in to uh, the drive-in uh, in, in terms of how they can uh, satisfy eligibility via the drive-in last second and what the late breakers might be. But that's part two for today. We are talking the acting categories, and I think the reason why I love talking to Ryan so much about these is that I was listening to him talk about the four acting categories on Chasing the Gold. And to be honest, I think the mark of a great podcast for me now is that I re-listen. And I, I tell you, I, I think I listened to it three times. I listened to it in line at the, uh, the polls the other morning, and I just think... Uh, Ryan, Matt Negley of Next Best Picture, uh, Eric Anderson of Awards Watch. They had an awesome conversation. So certainly go seek out the In Session Film podcast feed on Chasing the Gold. Uh, Ryan also does the Extra Film podcast over there where he just completed a 10-episode uh, uh, Fincher film series review. So they did a massive study on all the films of David Fincher heading in to Mank that'll come out in December that we'll talk about in both ep of these episodes. But uh, make sure you're listening to Ryan McQuaid's work there at In Session Film. And you can read all of his work at InSessionFilm.com, Awards Watch, Awards Radar, and Film Speak. He's done uh, some great pieces on the social network, on Tenant, on Lovecraft Country. Uh, he's done some best picture odds for best uh, for In Session Film, that is. And uh, he's just putting great content out all the time. I'm a huge fan as well as a new friend, thankfully. Uh, unfortunately, though, Mike couldn't join us. Mike One couldn't join us for this episode. Bottom line is that he's like the best doggy daddy in the world. Uh, it's his story to tell, but I'm just so proud of him. I'm so proud to know him. I'm so proud uh, that he's uh, taking such good care of that sweetheart of a dog of his. I know his dog, and I know the dog's been having some health problems of late. But there's there's a happy ending to this story. Mike's nursed her back to health. But with all the vets, uh, the vet appointments, with all the late nights, I mean, he really had to do the nurse uh, Nightingale thing with his pet and uh, just 
couldn't prep and didn't want to bring his B game to a Ryan McQuaid uh, podcast. And I, I understand that. Uh, and, and my heart is with Mike and we missed him. We still talk shit about him in both episodes, but we did miss him for this one. But you'll hear Mike again very soon, I'm sure. Otherwise, guys, I'm really proud of this conversation with Ryan McQuaid. I hope it's half as addicting as some of the work that he puts out there, but I think this is a a substantive conversation about the awards race, which is hopefully a great distraction after all this election uh, stuff that has gone down. Whatever's gone down, I'm actually recording this intro. I'm recording this intro after I voted, but before any of the results came down. So I have no idea at the time of this recording what's happened, but I do know that uh you know oscar podcast that helped me get through a lot of the you know anxiety and uh hopefully we can do a little bit of that for you this week so here is my conversation with ryan mcquade of in session film so on the line now is ryan mcquade ryan welcome back to mmo buddy it's wonderful to be back wonderful to be- isn't it just m though M and O tonight. Not, not, it's M and O. Just You're M&O. right. It's Mo. <laughs> it's just Mo. It's just Mo, uh, man. Mo, Mo time. More talking about movies and Oscars and stuff, right? I'll try to be two times the mic. You don't change a thing. <laughs> you know, you just be your normal, charming self. Like, look, I mean, this is our our third collaboration now. We've had an absolute blast. Uh, all you know, the last two times, and I feel like we just recorded a podcast without the microphones on. You know, heading into this episode because we just went forty five minutes on just a, a large array of subjects. Like I. I wouldn't know what to title our pre-show talk. Like if you had to come up with a title, I have no idea. But we did kind of get into the question that I wanted to lead in with is that we were able to, as a silver lining of this pandemic, we were able to really take part in the fall film festivals virtually, do a lot with you know, uh, with these screeners and I, I saw a ton, you saw a ton. How, can you, can you give the folks like a little bit of a, of a, you know, retrospective on your experience there with the fall film festivals? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, shout out to all the fall film festivals, um, yeah, for coming together, which was a mm-hmm. nice thing for a change and not being competitive and, sure. and sort of having a uniformity when it came to their lineup. Um, and also accessibility for not just you and me and many others out there of the press and, and, and people that do this, this crazy thing that is Oscar prognosticating, but for regular folks that want to see these things, uh, that are movie aficionados that want to see newer films that don't have distribution dates yet, you know, don't want to have to pay twenty thirty dollars when it ever goes to VOD or get a, a streaming subscription, uh-huh. And I thought it was really well done. Uh, I did have a problem at one of them. I won't say which one because uh, <laughs> uh, they handled it very nicely and they gave me a refund. And uh, uh, the next screening I had with them, it went over smoothly. Um, mm-hmm. But I was a part of New York, the New York Film Festival. I did a little bit of, of movie watching yes, with sir. them. The Hamptons International Film Festival. And then I was accredited um, at the Middleburg Film Festival online. And so... Uh, there were some films that I got to see twice. There were some films that uh, I got to catch at others that weren't at others. And then, oh, I, I was also, uh, the there was the Austin International Film Festival. And so, um, that, awesome. yeah, so, I mean, and I was, that was where I was able to see something like nine days. And, and um, I think that if you, if you had, I think for most of us, if you wanted to see everything and you didn't go to like, you know, Toronto 
the beginning, which mm-hmm. had everything, then sure. you could still find and pick a, and choose and sort of be able to get around some of them, which were some of them had only virtual screenings. Um, I know Ammonite was a mostly you know drive in yeah. exclusive. Yeah. Um, which I have uh, I have some stories about that one at least for sure for that title uh, that people were telling me about. Yeah, no, it, it, it was a very smooth process. And I think this is something the studios and these film festivals will need to consider for the future because Absolutely. I think this got to the point where, you know, in this world of, well, you give something, you can't take it away. You have to mm. keep it, and I think you have to. <laughs> I think you have to move it forward. Like this is this is a good idea to do. I do think that there are going to be a lot of people once this pandemic around the world is calmed down and we've moved past it, uh, which could take months, years. Yeah. Um, I think hopefully they're. I think not. they're. Hopefully not. But I just you know, <laughs> depending on what happens on you know the election, at least in this country, um, but. Uh, <laughs> No, it it just goes to our critics. Are people going to want to sit in a movie theater? Are they going to be comfortable enough to do that? And everyone differs. So this idea of, of virtual screenings, I think that it's going to have to continue, especially for Sundance. It's happening at South by Southwest for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that next year, Can just needs to not be so French and <laughs> and just embrace it. It's it's Just the, it's the it. future for, I think twenty twenty one as well. Well, I hope it's a it's another stream of revenue, and they can treat it that way because you know at least from the numbers we saw from New York, they seem to say that they made more money than they expected. I didn't hear from Middleburg or AFI, but you know I. I had more than I could watch and I was just a pig and shit. I was so happy for those, you know, that, that five week period since New York started through the end of AFI there where I, I just had a movie every night, a screening every night or two. And on the weekends I had a couple days there with Middleburg where I was like five screenings a day and I six was my most. I, I loved it. It was, it was, it took me back to my college days going to New York film festival. It was, it was so much fun. And I agree with you. It's gotta be here to stay. They gotta have that component and it it should have made money it seems like it made money based on like you said the repetition of of the similar slate going from one festival like a traveling circus so let let's hope they made money and what's great is that i think the grassroots campaigns that we were doubting could they happen will they still happen especially for the indie films i do think they happened Mm -hmm. i think they happened for a lot of the films we're about to talk about yeah no and and the one thing though that was missing from this and i do think yeah. next year they need to just play ball and mm-hmm. it would make the the festivals bigger is instead of just buying everything that is coming to these things <laughs> is netflix like they want to okay. be the studio that is taken seriously well here's a news flash don't say yeah. you're not going to be a part of the Oscar sort of race at these film festivals and then go and buy a bunch of projects and then also have George C. Scott at Middleburg, you know, or I'm sorry, George C. Scott, George C. Wolf, (laughs) George C. Scott, um, (laughs) talking about Ma Rainey's black bottom or have Aaron Sorkin talking about the trial of Chicago. Like it makes no sense. Like this, this is going to, that to me was, I as, as someone that covers the Oscars, I was sitting there and I was baffled by the sort of decisions 
that Netflix was making. And yes, I, obviously, I loved the fact that they bought some new stuff and, and you know, they got Concrete Cowboys and... Um, and bruised uh, yeah they, pieces of a woman pieces right. of a woman and which is going to be i think a big player even though i haven't seen it yet it just everyone i talk to just thinks it's absolutely wonderful and wow. for me i just sat there i'm like well then you still were part of this so it's very much like <laughs> that whole it, this netflix doing that was this year's brad pitt where i'm not campaigning or anything for an oscar <laughs> but I'm going to maybe do this or I may do it's like dude you're you're campaigning for an Oscar by saying you're not doing it you are doing it you know what I mean and I, it keeps them on the mind yeah I wonder if it was an overcorrection for last year where they were front and center of every film festival and they still patroned Let, let's you know let's give them credit where credit is due they still put a lot of money into the film festivals even though they didn't necessarily you know put their slate into them uh, they like you said they bought films coming out they made a lot of acquisitions but it's uh, it, it really was a strange strategic play that still may pay off for them because they were able to spread their large slate out and we're going to talk about the Netflix slate at the end but uh, I agree. Fascinating decision. And I wonder if, you know, the one night in Miami's and the Minari's, they got a leg up, you know, in terms of the buzz factory because they played all the festivals and they got that momentum going more so than some of these Netflix films. Perhaps we'll, we'll have to, you know, litigate it here the rest of the episode. But it, it, it's it's absolutely interesting strategy. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it, it is an absolute strategy. But the, the other big name that I thought was there a lot for titles mm-hmm. was was Amazon. Yes. And sir. that is that is a place where I've said this for years. People think I'm nuts. But <laughs> Amazon plays the ball with the major studios. That's why, yeah. you know, movies like The Big Short, or not the Big Short, The Big Sick. Wow, I'm mixing up a lot of things tonight. But big sick. the Big okay. Sick <laughs> got in for the screenplay love that it got. Or that Manchester by the Sea was a big player. It's that they they will make theatrical runs with their films. Yes. They're accepted. And that's the thing why Netflix has still, I firmly believe, a bias. A bias. Yeah. And I think that as much as I, you know, they are buying pretty much everything. I mean, like <laughs> Netflix feels like they are buying companies like they're all bankrupt, ready to go. And that's the films that they're just like, I'm going to buy this and I'll buy Chicago 7 and I'll have a mank and I'll have a Ma Ready's Back Bottom and a Hillbilly Elegy and a Pieces of a Woman and all these things in between. And I think that it looks desperate. I really well, do. And it looks like there's like an Empire Strikes Back feeling. But you're right. There's also a there's also a feeling where there there are awards grabby. Like it, with the, with the Irishman last year, they seemed like they wanted it too much, and that kind of turned the Academy off in a way. Right. Well, I think I think what last year was we sort of. I mean, we. I mean, um, people that I worked for. or or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or um or people that i know when they saw marriage story they started saying that's the film for netflix when yeah. i kept saying all year long no it's the irishman like mm-hmm. cut it out like stop <laughs> stop giving them false hope and then some <laughs> people i knew also was like oh but the two popes played so i said enough with these popes like these popes <laughs> you can have 95 <laughs> of these popes it doesn't matter like these popes aren't going to do you nothing spent $300 for three hundred million dollars exactly. painting houses and de-aging the men. Do, painting do you houses. think this year Warner <laughs> Brothers? Look, Warner Brothers has got Judas and the Black Messiah. You know, yes. if it releases, and then they have Tenet. You don't think they're not thinking we'd like to push the bigger film, 
even though for picture they're gonna mm-hmm. push Judas and Black Messiah, and they're gonna have to figure out Kaluuya and, and Stanfield and all those guys. Well, the studios don't have the problem that Netflix. No, had no, no, they don't. The studios have maybe two, three movies each. No, but you point, don't think right. they're mad that like Tenet didn't do as probably well with the critics as they wanted it to, or that they had to delay Dune? Like those are their right. big giant projects. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? So the bigger studios don't have the problem, like you said, of, of juggling things, but they still like to get their big budget projects in there because it validates the risk that they take if they don't make up the money at the box office, right? Agreed. And yeah. so with last year with The Irishman, look, I was fortunate enough to see it in the theater, but you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a, an Alamo draft house near me. Not many people are in this country, so they have to see it on Netflix. And then look, you know, the numbers were the, what the numbers were, but I can tell you this, more people probably saw The Irishman or had conversations about The Irishman than marriage stories or two popes uh, or Dolomite or whatever. And that, on, and that yeah, was the yeah. thing is that they were pushing all these things and they weren't like the year before where they just, we all knew it's Roma. That's the movie they're mm-hmm. pushing. And it just felt like, okay, we got 7,000 people in actor and 64 in, in this category. And, you know, they had, they had all these picture nominees and they had, you know, so many hands and so many baskets, right? I wonder, and I, I theorized this last year, especially with our Netflix guy, Andrew Morgan of the Nomcast, et cetera, and I wonder if they're playing a bit of a different game where they're trying to win over converts you know, to their streaming service, you know, kind of win hearts and minds one at a time and one client at a time and one director at a time, one producer at a time where they're kind of pushing every product every project somewhat equally mm-hmm. and then they're they're winning over hollywood like i said one creative at a time there so i wonder i wondered then if that was the strategy but you're right in terms of just sheer awards posturing it was strange and it didn't work yeah. and now you're seeing different strategies this year but i don't necessarily know if they fixed the main issue and that's pouring resources and and, and putting campaigns in, in, in having a focused plan to to posture these things for for some wins yeah and i mean i can honestly say this too overall mm-hmm. for their slate this year it's stronger than last year oh yeah oh, and yeah. and the thing last year i sat there and said was and this kills all the other arguments about 75 popes that's what it was called right and <laughs> and uh the marriage story arguments that movie was directed the Irishman that was by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Like Martin Scorsese. Like not like not like some kid, you know, who that got a that that got a camcorder and decided, hey, I, I thought I might want to do a movie this week. No, Martin Scorsese, the greatest living director we have left on this planet. Taking a victory lap with his favorite actors I mean, of this career. Yeah. Yeah. And like it shouldn't have failed. I mean too big to fail. Let me let me did did Noah Bombach get a standing ovation during the middle of Bong Joon Ho's speech last year. I don't think so. So, and I also, I, I just sat there and I went, "There's a reason why Marty is Marty, and you do, yeah. and you, and there's a reason why he's going to Apple with his next project. I think, and not going to Netflix, <laughs> is because you should have pushed him. He should have been harder in that conversation. Every the Irishman landed all those nominations, so didn't win one. Didn't win a single Oscar. Yeah. 
He pulled another offer, and it, it was shocking. It was shocking. Yeah. Last time he did that, he moved studios because Good Marty point. doesn't like to lose, and he's not young, you know. And so <laughs> this year you have Sorkin, you have Fincher, you have Spike. You know, those are very heavy hit. Ron Howard. These are people. Yeah. These are establishment. You know, directors, and you know, you also have Ma Rainey. You know, and then you have Pieces of a Woman, and you have a ton of uh, films here. So, ton th- th- loaded. They, I think they, they need to be precautious. Netflix about giving so much overload and thinking that, you know, if they're the only one in the game, then <laughs> then they have to vote for us. It's like they're sort of stacking the deck. So well, I totally want to get yeah I no. totally want to get to this with you and I, I'm I I feel like we're about to bookend the show with this okay. with with this Netflix talk which is perfect I think it actually works out but I I definitely want to get to the point where we're wondering what their strategy should be and how they should kind of angle things maybe that you know so let's tease that for the end of the show okay. uh, I do want to kind of go through the rundown though of performances uh, uh, with you Ryan and I have this. Kind of uh, my asinine take on what I hope is a fun interpretation of a talk radio segment <laughs> to talk through these performances and all the movies we saw. Right. Uh, so it's called Tour de Force or Soup de Jour. Okay. It's basically. <laughs> I love this, by the way. This is great. It's basically a how much do you like it segment because, you know, if you give the rating of the overused critical, critical modifier Tour de Force, that essentially means. Uh, what you think it means? You were blown away that by the performance. It's 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 heavy. It's going to be memorable. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, if you call it soup du jour, that could mean delicious. It could mean nourishing. It could mean good for the soul. Any one of those. But I think with soup of soups of the day, you don't necessarily remember them a month, six months from now mm. when we have the actual Oscars, which is I think we're six months away. My God, but it, it's still it's hopeful, but it, it's still far away. So. I'm wondering which fall film festival performances you think are special and has, have some legs. So you ready? Yeah, I'm totally ready for this. There's a lot of performances, so I'll have to, I'll have to, I can't wait to do this. So let's get yeah, this and, off. And, and enjoy it. Yeah. So Tour de Force or Soup de Jour, Francis McDormand in Nomadland. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Tour de Force? Um, have to be, right? Have, it's, it's, it's cast a spell. I mean, it might be the performance of her career yeah i mean look i love fargo uh, who doesn't um and if you do <laughs> come on you're kidding yourself go watch that again <laughs> um and and i thought she look for people out there that don't like three billboards and and i and i go back and forth with that movie it's every day in my head it feels like um she's extraordinary in the film she's no the reason question. why you get to the end and not want to walk out of the theater Best tell-off scene this decade, oh, perhaps, yeah. with the priest. Well, I yeah. also think, too, like the scene with the deer, right? That's that's the <laughs> yeah. kind of Francis McDormand performance I like where mm-hmm. it is jokey, but there is this sort of calmness and quiet to it. And oh, I yeah. think that scene is this entire performance here, and it's heartbreaking. Um, I right. love Lo- Nomadland. I-, I love Chloe Zhao to begin with. I think she's a wonderful director. Um might be top one of my top five directors working today because i think she just she just understands 
I think the world we live in better than you and I can even articulate. The talent for her to get the performances out of her non-acting cast, it's, I can't get over point. it. Because I, I, mean, I mean, we all made it student films in, in, in high school and college, mm-hmm. and I remember casting friends and family who were dreadful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, they're, if they're listening right now, they were dreadful. Sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> they're not actors, and why should I expect? Bottom line, it was a... It was a reflection of the director. I didn't have a tenth of the talent that Chloe Zhao has to be able to get these. And, and, you know, it is a testament to the swankies of the world. So maybe we'll jump there next. Swanky in Nomadland, tour de force with those two scenes or or soup du jour. Swanky for life. Uh, Tour de force. (laughs) Uh, What a a wonderful performance. And it comes perfectly in the middle of the film when you sort of settled in. Yeah. And... You know, McDormand has a way in this film, and I think I wrote this in my review, where she Mm -hmm. blends in perfectly with the non-traditional actors to the point where you just feel like she's starting to become one of them more than they are becoming one of her. And they don't really even seem like moments of written dialogue. They feel like documentarian-style filmmaking cinema very totally. yeah so much and i just think also too that swanky is the emotional heartbeat of your film and oh, just devastating in the middle of it yeah yes. and i think that uh i think there's also a reveal at the end of the film of the character that it just left me a mess on the floor <laughs> um and i think it's one of those performances that I mean, we talk about an ever-changing Oscars, man, and we and and I mean, there is precedent for it. I mean, I think she could be sort of like a like a Barkov Opti of the year, okay? You know, where she yeah. is not. This is a very much this film, and I mean, and I don't know if Swanky's gonna be getting a cinematic universe anytime soon or anything, but <laughs> Can you but <laughs> the Swanky universe. I, hey, I. I I'd buy a ticket. Follow, she buy. should get a reality show. She should get sake. something. I mean, she and that something should be an Oscar nomination because she's yes um, extraordinary in the film, and um, it's the greatest definition of a supporting performance that I've seen this year. So yeah, no, and, she's fantastic. And she was so much. She she had a lot of fun with us on Twitter, answering a bunch of the questions we posed in our review episode about her diet and nomad diets and a lot of nomad things. And she was going back and forth with us on Twitter. And I just, I have a lot of respect for her being a good sport about some of those things. And it just feels like this is someone that is just, she gets it and she's going to do really well on the circuit. If there is a circuit, if she can get in front of people, Uh, I'm just, and hopefully she gets a new rig, by the way, let's get swanky a new van by the end of this Oh yeah, and and make it, make it flashy. But all right. So we're, we're in on swanky. We're in uh, tour de force on Francis McDormand tour de force or soup du jour on David Strathairn in Nomadland. Soup du jour. Um, I don't get this performance. I really don't. Look, look. I, 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 it works. It fits. But could somebody explain the Oscar hype? Like a lot of people that we love and respect have it in their fives. I, for me, he's not in my five right now. I think mm-hmm. there's other performances, and sort of the race is going to unfold. Where I mean, like you have, you have the trial of Chicago Seven gentlemen all going to be competing in supporting actor. You have 
right. um, the 190 Miami men for them. I, I think they're all going to go supporting at this point. But personally, yeah. Kinsley Benedier, who plays uh, Malcolm X, should be the lead because he is the lead of that film. But then there's yes. Leslie Odom Jr., you know, and that's right there. And then you have Bill Murray and you have all these other people there that I still um, think are going to ultimately think, get in. But yeah, if they think that uh, Odom could win, I wonder if they kind of sacrifice Kingsley and, and lead. I think that too, but I think also they could get um, Leslie Odom Jr. nominated in the original song category and possibly even win that. That's um, a good point. And, and, yeah, I, they and could. so then if they moved them all supporting, I think that they move Benadir as the the first one they want because I think he has the best performance in the film uh, the strongest one in the film it's the one I connected to the most and obviously I think uh, in in the film those are the two performances I think that jump out the other two gentlemen that are wonderful in it but to me it's a the the scenes of tension and argument within that film is is palpable between those two but back to David Strathairn this is a performance where and I think is where it hits a little bit on no man land. And while I still love the film, um, this can be a knock towards it is their scenes do feel more traditional movie, like, but they do Mm -hmm. feel more in the sense of like, they feel like almost Manchester by the sea, like, like Lonergan sort of depressing style of, (laughs) of, of a relationship. And I think they do work and they're good. But there's not enough there from Strathairn for me to say, yeah, put him in a five. And if he does get in a five, I won't be mad about it. But it's not the performance I'm thinking about more as I'm leaving the theater. Like, I'm thinking about Swanky and McDormand. I'm thinking about McDormand's other friend in the film. I'm thinking about, I'm just thinking about Clojel and the direction and the cinematography, mm-hmm. the score choices. I'm thinking a lot about that movie in other categories than I am David Strathairn. But, you know, uh, if he showed up with an Oscar nomination, look, I love David Strathairn. He's one of the best character actors we've ever, you know, that is working currently right now. Like he shows up in a movie. I'm like, oh, we're in good hands for at least a couple of scenes. Yeah. You wonder if he was understated on purpose, if he's trying to blend in, if he's trying to method act, if yeah. he's trying. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, but it, it, nowhere in that description is are, are we looking at a typical supporting actor superlative you know for 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 that performance i don't get it either so uh i think we kind of jumped ahead but i let's finish the thought on one night in miami so leslie odom jr i would have him as the tour de force and kingsley benadir if i was having to choose as as behind it but you're you're the other way so you you think kingsley benadir is a contender for a win something to remember tour de force well i think the category as a whole is very wide open supporting actor. But yes, I, I do think that the performance I walked away from was Kinsley Benadir, who is extreme. And that's a film I really need to study. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I, I really need to study that one. But I, because I, you know, I, I walk away with the flashiness and the, the performance, of course. The performance within the performances, the, the songs from Leslie Odom Jr. I'm like, wow, that's talent. Well, I, I walked in in the back of my mind with hearing about this and i know that's mostly if this scene this film didn't happen it's a but you know it's it's an imaginatory events of what could have happened right mm-hmm. um between people that were known to be friends and i thought about kinsley benadir's performance against and i know this is i usually tend to not do this i don't like to compare 
when an actor's already done the performance. He's having an enormous task of coming up against one of the greatest performances of all time in Denzel Washington's performance as Malcolm X in oh, Spike yeah, Lee's films, you know, Malcolm X. Yet, 30 years later, we get a sort of a different version of Malcolm X in this film. And this is a, this is a little bit of a, a, a in sort of a way that I, I see the film as like this movie is very much... Malcolm desperately trying to get people together. And in yeah. Malcolm X, you this don't see... This is Barack see... Obama as Malcolm X. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Ginsley <laughs> Benadir did play Barack Obama uh, right. on um, the, the Comey rule, I believe is what that Showtime uh, okay, thing was. Okay, yes, yes. Um, but, you know, for me, it was... That's the thing that is missing from that segment for me in Spike Lee's film it's the desperacity of Malcolm X at this time to still try to be a part of mm-hmm. the Muslim religion and the you know and sort of you know and be around these people because he's very much going to get pushed out very soon and then of course his tragic mm-hmm. death and the way that he sees the country is vastly different than everyone else and the the conversations that they have in this film are very timely very resonant. And I think he has the Oscar scene. I think it's the yeah. scene with blowing in the wind. And he calls out Leslie Odom Jr.'s hypocrisies. Mm-hmm. That scene blew me away. Now, Leslie Odom Jr. has Electric. the final scene. But the final shot is on Kingsley Benadir. And right. it is one that only happens because of the scene from Kingsley Benadir earlier in the film. And so I love Leslie Odom Jr. I think he's wonderful in the film, though. I think his performance progresses as the film goes on to be better than what it starts off to be. But Benadir mm-hmm. throughout the film is extraordinary. And so for me, he is the performance I walk away going, wow, that blows me away. And it might just be as good as Denzel's because it's doing different things yet still feels at one in peace i mean i think one night in miami is like a like a good companion piece to malcolm x and you can watch both of those back to back but he's yeah he's the one for me i think leslie odom jr is like second place aldish hodges is third but for me Mm -hmm. benadir's i think actually the one that could win this whole thing if you really push the campaign for it and um so and and he's been doing some Q and A's. I know Leslie Odom Jr. has been doing Q and A's as well. So it'll be interesting to see where Amazon pushes either one of those men. I'm glad we parsed through that because that yeah. I mean that, that's going to be a conversation we keep having too as as award season goes along. Thank God it is going along. So one of the performances that Mike and I were very high on from the New York Film Festival was Michelle Pfeiffer in French Exit, mm-hmm. and, and yet I don't feel like. There's a bandwagon yet, and I don't feel like like film Twitter is on board necessarily. I don't know know why that is, but let's t- get your take on Michelle Pfeiffer's performance there. Well, she's wonderful in that film. Um, mm-hmm. That might be another case where this is the best performance we've seen from her in 20, 30 time, years. I mean, she gets... Dangerous liaisons, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Catwoman. You know, to, uh, <laughs> sure. no, she's great. Hey, hey she, she is. Don't great knock that one. performance, man. That's a great performance <laughs> that people don't talk about. But um, you are not an Oscar snob. I, appreciate <laughs> it. 
Um, <laughs> she's so good in the film. And that movie does have a ridiculous plot, and it is very Wes Andersy in a way, right? And it's also it's like an fu Wes Anderson. Yeah, energy. it's a very right. it's. It, I I felt very Royal Tenenbaums <laughs> a lot when I was watching the film. That was the film mm-hmm. I connected with the most because I think that Anderson's films don't really have a lot of emotionality and um it's uh, they're usually very quirky and fun and and very escapist and uh and Tenenbaums is is that film where it is for the most part uh the film that has a lot of the most maturity in it right and yeah. i think that this film has that through its ridiculous premise you know um <laughs> and it reminded me also of um a no coward sort of um, play that okay. David Lean would do with him because I've seen um, Lean because of my podcast earlier this year. So right. um, it reminded me a lot of that. But Pfeiffer's performance, just the minute she's on the screen, like the minute she's there, it's she's owning it, man. She's comfortable. And it's so good. I love the performance. I understand the film is very divisive for people. Um, right. And I know that it's also a comedy and um <laughs> how comedy? Right. Uh, yeah. uh no there's parts i laughed my tail off um because i just found yeah. it so quirky and different um and i think that that's good you know to have something different there do i see her as a player in the race i i i, I think she could be because we've seen you know respect uh with the uh with jennifer hudson playing Aretha Franklin moved to next year. You know, there are other films that are starting to sort of slide down like Ammonite. I think she could break in. She's definitely a Globes player for sure if they move her in comedy and not drama. Oh, Um, interesting. But, uh, and if she lands at Globes, she could quietly move that needle. I'm not counting her out yet, but I think it's, it is a tour de force performance from her. It might be one of those where it needs other things to come through, which basically is going to be dependent on people putting in the screener and, and liking and loving the film. And I don't know if the film got enough buzz. It plays well at home, too. Like on a Saturday yeah. night, you got a bottle of wine, you know, you're watching oh, this I movie. Love it. Like that, that's to me. That's to me. That, yeah. That's the thing. And, you know, um, you got to give or take, I think, the performance in the film, for me, that gives or take is if you like Lucas Hedges in it. And for me, I bought into Lucas Hedges, and so therefore, I was able to buy into the rest of the thing. Has he been bad yet? I don't. I can't remember a performance where he's been bad. I mean, I know, like in something like mid '90s, he was so very different from anything else he's done. Or just because like, you're different is, doesn't mean you're bad. You know what I mean? He's not been bad yet. I, I still, I'm really impressed. I with still him. need to find out how Ben came back. Like, like <laughs> you know, Ben's been back for a long time. I haven't gone and visit him. You know, social distancing and everything. Ben um, kept coming back. Ben's yes. back. I don't know if anyone's heard the news. This might be a shocker to most of your podcasts. Ben is back. All right. Ben is back, and Julia Roberts is crying somewhere. Somewhere, but uh, she's crying because <laughs> Ben is back. Yeah, that that movie didn't land. Let me talk about a late breaker. We'll I've get never it seen it. Run. I've never seen it. I just always do that as a bit everywhere. So that, thank no, you for indulging. It, it, it works whether or not you've seen it. So there you go. Uh, Bill Murray and On the Rocks, another performance that 
I mean, it might be the only nominee from that film. I, what do you What do you think of On the Rocks Tour de Force Soup de Jerk? Oh, I don't think it could be the only nominee of the, of the right, film. Good. I think because it... I like that movie. I'm afraid to like that movie as much as I do. <laughs> I just watched it. I think it could land in screenplay, <laughs> in original screenplay. Okay. I think it could. Um, good. And I and I do think like uh, maybe maybe production design. You know, cinematography in that film is fantastic um, too. Like I I like that film a lot. Um, and and Excellent. and it'll be a Globes player for sure. I think. Um, I think for sure. I think yes. Rashida so Jones will that, get in there, um, so that that could help her out and help out the the film. Pete Davidson doesn't have to win all the Globes. Exactly. So that's yeah. good. Well, though he wouldn't be in that category. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I couldn't I couldn't right, believe true. that uh, <laughs> they pushed Pete Davidson in Best Actress for a comedy. Good for him. Um, breaking all kinds of boundaries. <laughs> um, but uh, Bill Murray for me right now is my Oscar front runner. Um, and, and also might be my favorite supporting actor performance of the year, you know, it, it, because of the fact that not only because I think it is like the best form of using Murray's sort of charm and in comedy hysteria at, 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 at this current moment in his career, it also, when Sophia Coppola and Bill Murray work together, they make the best work for each other. Mm-hmm. And this performance is a deeply layered performance, and I do think so. And I think that this is Coppola dealing with her own celebrity father. And I think that it's also like Bill seems to be like another celebrity father figure for working (laughs) for years together on Very Merry Christmas and, of course, Lost in Translation, but now this, and it just feels right. Um, I mean, you see that journey from Rashida Jones as well being – uh, Quincy Jones's daughter. Yeah. As well. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. No. For for real. Yeah. I mean, uh, how many how many fam- famous Wayans fathers and uncles yeah. does Marlon have? Ex- I mean, yeah. that, that's nope. yeah. It reminds me of the the group of Hollywood king uh, kids in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah. uh, at the Manson Ranch. But also, they're all kids of somebody. <laughs> yeah. No. But like this movie, it has that sense of like you could label it as bunch of rich kids making a movie or like you know privileged people but it doesn't shy away from the privilege and the privilege (laughs) the privilege is as bud of a lot of jokes right we we did we did cap uh talk about that where it's like totally first world problems and it is not 2020 problems yeah but and i wondered if that was gonna i wonder if that was gonna register with the academy this year but who cares um because of the fact (laughs) that uh it's a great sort of escapist comedy right now it's just yeah. a simple premise of a father and a daughter trying to bond and i think what what could connect with it too is is that you do have that family bond and you do have right. sophia coppola working in a in a in a film that is completely i think different it, 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 this, this feels like a straight comedy for her more than anything that she's done in a lot a long time and murray's sure. such a highlight every scene he's in he is stealing this this film um mm-hmm. from everybody in it and i do think at times when he's not in it there's like a jolt of energy that goes into a different sort of you know marital drama but it's very <laughs> rare because when he's in that film i mean you just want to eat ice cream and drive around in that car and have the caviar and the the cop sequence is hysterical um and uh completely not relevant you're correct in uh 2020 (laughs) but also it's it works and and he's good and it's about time we made up for bill murray not getting 
I think the mm-hmm. Oscar for Lost in Translation, um, or getting any sort of Oscar love sense or, or any attention in awards. And, you know, I think that this isn't just a film where you could go, oh, well, we're giving him a career Oscar. I think it generally is a, is a, a magnetic performance that he's giving us on screen. And he's got Olivia Coleman level stares where his eyes well up. Yeah. And he might win win an award based on Plus isn't it that, uh, isn't it nice control. to have yeah. like some awards movies be a, a comedy and like Bill Murray winning for a very Amen. very good comedy sure. too. Like the man is maybe the funniest <laughs> person, you know, still alive, maybe Eddie Murphy, <laughs> you know, you, you know, him or Could him be. or Eddie, right? Like it, it's and Eddie got didn't get enough push last year for Dolomite and he was wonderful. So I'd like so to see funny. comedy celebrated more at the Oscars this year. You know, we don't talk about other genres, but comedy always gets the short end too. So to, I mean, we, we just spoke about Amazon and what their strategy might be with uh, one night in Miami. This could be the fate of Bill Murray because is it such a head and shoulders performance better than the rest, especially in perhaps the, the, the deepest field thus far, uh, I know we talk. I know we talk about best actress being loaded in terms of mm-hmm. a top ten, but best supporting actor might be twenty deep at the end of the day. <laughs> and I do think it's gonna. Well, that, that's what I was yeah. saying before. I think it's gonna matter how they angle the one night Miami guys because if it's Leslie Odom Jr. and he doesn't have competition with uh, Kingsley Benadire and it's just him going against Bill Murray, I don't know. But if it, if it's both of them, and then they cannibalize each other, and then there's two Chicago Seven cannibalizing, and then you have Bill Murray in that group, well, Bill Murray, we've seen that a hundred times, where the the guy with the lone nominee from the movie with the lone nominee in the category wins. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think it's gonna get. I think it. I think it might squeak in some other stuff. Um, I really do, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's got well, that's it's cool. got a twenty four. It's got Apple's money behind it, and also too he's been doing interviews for this film and he's been out there. Um, so if Murray lands at a, at a round table, like a, <laughs> uh, like a virtual round table, you can just give it, you can just give him the Oscar at that point because he's going to win every round table by being the funniest, most charming man there. Right. And everyone will be so awestruck by him. I mean, he's Bill freaking Murray. <laughs> Like I mean, Bill freaking Murray's got a T-shirt that's called something even better than that. But the question is, I have for you is, I mean, does how much does that matter this year necessarily? I think it does with the round table. I I hope so, but I you know, I think it does. If you put it to a campaign, it it, yeah, he's going to charm the pants off of people. I think it does from the standpoint of that people are going to also want some happy moments. You know what I mean? Too Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to this Oscar season and. I think celebrating Bill Murray is a, is a good moment. I think, that you know, I think I th- never be wrong. I think uh, there's some other s- actress that might be in supporting actress later this year <laughs> that people have been dying to give an Oscar for for years. That would love to have that, even though they might not like the film or whatever. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen the thing, um, but they would yeah. love that. That's a happy moment. You know what I mean? These, uh, the, you know, uh, the, the, the Chadwick, well, you know, if Chadwick win, wins an Oscar this year, totally, that, totally, that would be. Um, I mean, obviously, it'd be. It's very uh, tragic uh, uh, because necessary tribute, but, though. It goes yes, beyond. It goes good beyond intentions. that because of the fact that he was. He's been great. He's had a whole. He's, he's had a wonderful, great, wonderful trailblazing, trend-setting career, and it's just been neglected. And then yeah. it looks like that performance is going to have the goods, regardless. Yeah. So it's a moot point. It's but it's I agree. it's sort of ledger esque. 
in that it's like, man, if you, I, I could have seen two more decades of just stellar work. I mean, like I, oh, I was, I, I tell people this all the time. Like Chadwick Boseman was going to be our next Denzel Washington. I mean, he was going to be an actor of his generation. Like mm-hmm. I've, mm-hmm. I've rewatched a couple of his films, especially get on up. And while the whole yeah. film as a whole doesn't work and it's very, you know, trappy, a great performance can elevate, you know, a, a biopic, right? No question. And man, he just committed himself to that film. Like it's like he like he just sounded like James Brown, and uh, you know he is T'Challa, and 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 it's that seeing that Ma Rainey trailer, I'm like, man, just I know he's gonna knock it out of the park because he always does. So the love for. That tribute this year, I I, I totally buy into that. Yeah. And it, it's gonna happen. It's just to what it's things that are gonna make us happy because regardless of what the w- regardless of the presidential election, <laughs> we're recording. This we're gonna need everybody. some yeah. form of happiness because even if if Trump wins, you're gonna need as much happy as you can get, <laughs> along with a like you know just gallons of alcohol. If Biden wins, you're still gonna need happiness because people are still waiting for a vaccine. So by the right. ceremony, I mean they're they're talking about next summer as a vaccine. So even by yeah. the ceremony, they're still going to need to be hope and optimism, and and that's where someone like a, just a wonderfully funny, sincere performance from Bill Murray comes in and plays well. That was my burning question number five, and it was basically: Does the Academy give zero Fs this year? and just votes for what they really want, just votes conscience-free and the feel-good thing. They vote more as like an audience award than the pure, you know, hardcore critical pick. And they give us what we want, and they give them what they, they give themselves what they want. And yeah, you just answer that. I I agree, and I hope that's the case. I I wonder if Trump wins if there's going to be more fu energy a phrase that uh, that i'll reuse but uh <laughs> it will yeah we, we, we you, the people out there probably know because we're probably, <laughs> we're probably getting this out mm. after the election's over we hope oh my god if can you imagine if this takes all week you're it, they're gonna need this distraction uh, so well, i'm glad we're well, I, doing a deep dive if, if and i could just be wrong folks <laughs> and 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 later you're gonna release this and then everyone's gonna hear it and go haha ryan's wrong but uh, and then we do have a president, uh, regardless of who it is. Um, I don't think we're going to get it this week. I think I think we're going to be. It's going to be a couple a couple weeks. Uh, and, well, uh, you definitely put yourself out there. Yeah. No, I mean I've listened to a lot future. of the people talk about it, and then yeah. there's going to be the lawsuits and stuff. If it's a, oh, if it's God. close, just December. It's like the first week of December is when is well, when let's... it has to be in. So. Just well, saying. let's continue to distract ourselves here in the glorious world <laughs> yeah. of movies, and we actually have an Oscar campaign to look at. And one of the more fascinating studios, like you said, is Amazon. They got Sound of Metal, which they cut a terrible trailer for. I'm just so disgusted with that trailer. I didn't want to see the movie. I actually avoided <laughs> it. I, I watched it late in its window at the film festivals. But Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, they're both being touted in a lot of tens. Riz Ahmed is getting some fives. What do you think of those two performances? Well, Olivia Cook is more soup du jour. Um, at this mm-hmm. moment, she's, she, I mean, she's kind of barely in the film. A um, couple big scenes. couple but scenes, yeah, I, but I, I liked her a lot in it, and I think that she could kind of sneak in if she rides off of Riz's coattails. The character pulls like a 180, doesn't yeah. it? Like we see her in one state, and then we see her in an entirely, it's like a two different characters. Yeah. Um, but 
Reza Ahmed is, is tour de force. I mean, he's yeah. he's extraordinary yeah. in this performance. It's it's so good in and feels so accurate that mm. it almost it just it just makes you uneasy at how oh, yeah. good it is. And I got drug addiction in the family and yeah. you know, I've seen a lot of drug addiction movies, Ben is back, beautiful boy. This one got it right in my opinion, just one guy's opinion. Yeah. This one got it right more than the others. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm I haven't seen Ben is back, but I've heard he's back. Um and yeah. <laughs> and thank you for setting me up there. And it, it, beautiful no boy is a bad movie. It's, it's bad. It's a bad movie. No, it's, um, yeah, it's a bad it movie. Sorry, Chalamet fans. Man, I wanted to like it a lot. And I actually gave it a positive review. I liked it more than most. And that positive review being like a B minus B, whatever I gave it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had like a, I had an opportunity to go see that movie uh, in like a screening, and, and then afterwards, the the I think the real life kid and Chalamet were going to be there, and I was like, no, I'm busy. I can't go see it. And then I. <laughs> And then I saw it later that week, and I was like, "Oh God, thank God I didn't have to go to that thing." Because if they made me ask a question or something, I swear I would have been like, "How was craft services that week?" Uh, you know, when you're, you know, because it's such a bad movie. It's like one of the worst films I've seen in the last couple of years. Um, but Riz Ahmed, I mean, he's he's really good in this performance. I mean, this is a career defining performance. Like this is a this is a performance that I mean, he has been putting up stellar interstellar kind of work um you know (laughs) and you know for me this is the kind of performance you want to see sort of pushed at the oscars because it's it's very emotional it's very physical it's it's very much a conversation that i think we should have more where we're talking about you know people with hearing disabilities um and it does it in such a honest respectful way and it doesn't feel like it's manipulative at any point when you're watching it. Like it's so authentic and that it almost feels real. And the transformation is is so gradual. Yeah. Which is, you know, in a film like that, especially where someone suffers, you know, a, a huge change like losing your hearing. I, and maybe this is the direction of Darius uh, Martyr there. I think that performance gradually morphs and maybe it's, you know, the taking away all the audio of him screaming and we just see it, which is a pet peeve of mine. I hate screaming on film when it's just brash and raw and it doesn't always work for me. Sometimes it does, but I, for whatever reason, I was on board with his performance and his gradual change in it. And he sold me on it, which is what you're doing. You're telling a story within the story as a character, as a, as an actor, and he totally, he totally succeeded. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I mean, just uh, it, it's very heartbreaking from also yeah. the standpoint of this is a person that like loves his craft and loves what he does. And to see it taken away from him in 2020, like watching that, <laughs> you just sit there and you go, man. Now even movies and, and and characters and movies are getting things that they love taken away from them. And you're like, golly, but it is it, it's it's a really great performance. I'm not sold on the film as a whole. Something about it, um, like the the sort of stuff with Cook and 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 other side characters for me, it it really wasn't like connecting with me much. as like. This movie reminded me a lot of 
last year's Alex Ross Perry film, Her Smell, right? That's what this reminded uh, me a lot of um, okay. in terms of the way it's shot and the style of the film. Um, long takes. Yeah, I agree. I, I long takes yeah. and, and, and very underground, you know, rock sort of setting, right? Um, but Amez's <laughs> performance, much like Moss in that, and those are two totally different style of performance. And but they carry those pictures um, from the sort of generic trappings that I think you can find in a in a picture like this. And so, I do overall recommend the film, but it's only because Riz Ahmed is so good in it that you know if he's if there's any sort of you know fault then mm-hmm. the film in his performance and then the movie is not good. You know what I mean? And so um, it is the case where an entire performance for me carries the thing over the finish line um, because it's that great. Well, I'm rooting for him for sure. I mean, the night of was uh, one hell of a performance as well in that mini series. And yeah, he, he, like I said, he sold me here. I want to skip ahead and and save your favorite movie for last. So uh, (laughs) let's talk Chicago seven for a second, because I I mean, you, you've done a lot of work on, on the Chicago seven and the episode uh, stuff you've written for chasing the gold. All right. Sasha Baron Cohen, first and foremost, is that a tour de force or is like, I don't know what to make of that performance. It's charming as all get out. I remember it. And yet he's not, he's not doing anything over the top for him. He's fairly reeled in. He's not the performance. I personally think about when Mm -hmm. I'm done watching that film. I think of three performances. Okay. Okay. In this order. I think of Mark Rylance. Yeah. Who gives the performance, at least on screen, of his career? It reminds me of a Daniel Day Lewis nuance, yeah. heavy. Like you, you, if you just focus your eyes on Rylance, I mean, the little things he's doing with a glance, with a crinkle of his face, he's got all his wrinkles working for him too. <laughs> he really what does. he's pulling off like, is extraordinary. It's a much better performance than Bridge of Spies. And it's and it's mm-hmm. so and it's like, man, this is the one he could have won an Oscar for. Like, I'd be so happy if he had an Oscar sure. for this because he's so good. And and uh, and uh, the other performances I think about are I think about Yaya Abdul Mateen, the second clenched teeth performance. Just the ang- oh, you're yeah. so angry. Loved it. You yeah. know, uh, in this film. And he's so good in this film. And he gets the line of the film, too. He gets the moral of the film yes. as well yeah. in, in that scene. Yeah, He's fantastic. But then, look, I'm in the bag for Michael Keaton. <laughs> I always okay. am. Okay, wow, not at what I expected, I am, but, because there's not a lot there, but it's great. I love sometimes <laughs> a small performance that comes in and knocks you off your socks. And Sorkin yeah. does that in his movies sometimes, you know? It's... it's uh, it's, there's like the Rooney Mara thing in Social uh, Network. There's the Costner good, performance yeah. in Molly's Game. Even like the Nicholson performance in A Few Good Men. You know, it's it's a performance oh, yeah. that's there's not a lot. He's not in the majority of that film, but when he's in there, man, he's just delivering. Keaton is one of the best actors, if not the best actor of his generation. Like it's showing that every single film he does, and him with Sorkin dialogue, breathtaking. Like that's like. 
why aren't they making like every movie together? Well, Mike texted me when that movie was uh, when he was watching it for the first time. When we had a screener. He was texting me like the the first hour and a half where he's like, what is the hype about this movie? What is going on? And then I didn't respond because I don't want to egg him on. He, I know he, he texts me mid-movie all the time. So I was like, all right, wait, let me let the dust settle. Let me see what he thinks about it. And then he texts me an hour later. He's like, why, mate? My God, the last 30, 45 minutes were great. <laughs> Tale of two movies. <laughs> of course, that's that was our review. But yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, Michael T. Keaton raises the stakes. He ups the level. The energy goes up. He's that good. And then, like, the back and forth between him and Rylance is extraordinary. Like, oh, when yeah. he's like, when Rylance points at the, the court reporter and says, you can write really fast. So get all this down now. And they start going back and forth, back and forth. That's the sort of Sorkin dialogue at its height that is fantastic right and sure. so i love that um and then i would put baron cohen at four and that's where yeah, i'm at so i i don't i don't think he is the best but i think he's still very solid i'm think eddie redmayne is fine um mm-hmm. in the film i don't have any problem with him i actually even like jeremy strong more than him but Redmayne's a chameleon. He really yeah. is. I mean, it's such a different performance from what he's done. Yeah, no, for sure. But then, like, Langella, I mean, all he's doing is playing one note. Like, he's just being the bad guy. Uh, he was Skeletor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hated his performance he's... in that. I really couldn't stand and it. And the, the, the worst performance out of the whole film, and it's not his fault, maybe it's because he hasn't acted in, like, 7,000 years, is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He doesn't have yeah, he's, okay, he, yeah, he's, yeah. he's He's just there. And he doesn't have Mike anything to do. Him. I yeah, I I wasn't I wasn't uh, uh, it didn't sway me either way. Mike hated Joseph Gordon-Levitt, so that makes sense. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> JGL. I mean, come on, hates. That's start. No, I'm just kidding. It hates a strong word, but yeah, uh, he. Well, I think again, no. Mike's the lawyer, so he's like calling BS. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Hey, when it's when it's like your profession, and you're sitting there and you're watching, and you're gonna have be a little bit more critical than others. But no, I I I think that the smart move would to push rylance but i do think baron cohen will have the additional help of borat subsequent movie film and the narrative and everything around that yeah to help him out in this performance to push him into the the second spot if not the first spot when it comes to voters minds they that maybe who would have thought that borat would be the thing that's probably going to push him to a nomination for Trial of Chicago 7. But I've seen crazier things before in no, the year you, of 2020. The catalyst from the other movie they did that year, that happens all the time, especially with the Screen Actors Guild, which is going to be one of the first to weigh in. But, okay, wh- before we go into Minari, Winston Duke in nine days, tour de force, soup du jour. Is it just really good chicken soup for the soul, or does it actually show up at the Gothams? Like, I'm, like the Gothams are happening early uh, November, in 12 days from when we're recording this. And that's the one name I'm going to be like, all right, if he's not there, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, I I was supposed to see um, Nine Days at South by Southwest, and then, of course, Mm -hmm. we went into a pandemic. So thanks. (laughs) Thanks for that, everybody. Um, But uh, it was like that was the start of all this, right? Everything started shutting down and getting removed and everything right at South by Southwest. Um, That was. And I was so looking forward to Nine Days. And then I watched it recently at one of these wonderful film festivals. I was completely blown away by it. And I was blown away 
by Winston Duke's subtle performance. Like it is a subtle sort of just, I mean, it is a man that is keeping mm-hmm. everything in. And finally at the end, it just explodes. I'm a sucker for those performances Me too. when they just, and he Where hits they build. the note. When you hit the high note yeah. at the end. Yeah. Where they're building and you know, it's building and you got to be along for that ride. <laughs> but if you're along and if it's clicking with you, it can really be something special. And I think it's, one of the most special performances I've seen this year. And yeah, I agree with you. It's got to hit Gotham's and then it's got to hit Indie spirits. That's a big right. thing. But ultimately do I think, I don't think it'll be an Oscar player. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be the Sandler of this year. I think people are going to see it and they're going to uh, really like it. And they're going to think it's, yeah, it's the Sandler or it's actually the Ethan Hawk is another wonderful example where it could win over the critics a lot and i think it could and i think it could win critics prizes and i think it could get you know indie spirit <laughs> i think he could win indie spirit i think he could um though i mean he has to go up against res but um i think he could win indie spirit i think he could win the gothams but when it comes to oscars we're going to be sitting there on oscar morning going oh come on why couldn't you nominate him you know what i mean or like come on really <laughs> that guy over there so we'll still have those. We'll still have those, but year, it'll definitely this be this right. one for sure. And that's a sad thing because it is a subtle performance in a film that I think is very highly original and should be in original screenplay categories across the board. Should not have worked. It's, really. Yeah, it, I mean, it's one of those where it's so ambitious. It's pretentious. It, yeah. it's pretentious. It's that ambitious. It's something like in a philosophy class, and yet Edson Oda just. Nailed it. First time director. I, I, I'm i thrilled with his direction. He's a name to watch out for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The direction in it's fantastic. I also think Zazie Beetz is, ex- yeah. is extraordinary in the film, too. And, and you know, <laughs> it's it's she's she has it's it's it is a simple performance. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, sure. You know, it, it, she has to sort of be very innocent, you know, throughout the film, too. Um, but I also think. The performance we really should, I know, throw into supporting actor, right? And like the giantest race impossible. Benedict Wong's performance. Good, yes. In nine nine days. I know Winston Duke and (laughs) Zazie Beats are going to get so much love, but good God, what a performance. Like He had a scene, too. Yeah, he has has multiple scenes. Like, that's Mm -hmm. a a thing where I'm like, why aren't we talking about his performance and how he's sort of the the emotionality behind Winston Duke's character. You know what I mean? And the catalyst for him opening up his show at the end. You know? Um, besides the internal struggles that he's going through. So, yeah, man. That, it's it, it's a top five film for me right now of the year. Well, we're starting campaigns right now. So <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. Let's, uh, let's continue down that track because I know this is one of your favorite films of the year. I think I came in already high on it it was much more of a crowd pleaser than i thought i think it suffers from what a lot of these movies suffer from and there's like a lull a lull Mm -hmm. in the movie but you know i think upon further study you you would probably ignore it and i this is a movie i want to study further but let's talk performances in minari let's start with steven young um (laughs) yeah you're all this is the this is the first time i've actually talked about minari um on a podcast so uh your listeners get the first sort of taste of what will be the most insufferable 
Ryan McQuaid <laughs> spiel all year, which is Minari is the best movie of the year. Anyone else says otherwise or says it's bad needs to get a life because it's extraordinary. It is everything you want movies to be. It's magical. It's it's it, magical. I talked about casting a spell before, and th- this movie is one that you remember a week later, two weeks later. I can't, it's that kind of movie. I can't yeah. get this thing out of my head. Right. There are images, there are scenes of uh, that are hilarious, that are upsetting. I think of the ending to be one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen on cinema in the year 2020. Um, hmm. I think Steven Yeun, who is an actor many years ago, I just thought, oh, it's Glenn from The Walking Dead. Like, yeah. who cares? <laughs> and I saw him in Burning, and I thought I thought he was yeah. extra- mayhem before that, but yeah, mayhem and Burning. He was starting to build up. For yeah, me. I, I he was my best supporting actor personally of of 2018 for Burning. Can't argue. Uh, he's extraordinary. It's in the, in that sort of Hitchcockian Anton Chigurhish, Patrick Bateman s <laughs> sort of character, right? And this film, I mean, he's wonderful. I mean, he's really good in this movie, and he's he. <laughs> but I will say this: this is the only thing I can say against him. And I'm going to say this, and I hope everybody that's a friend of ours, that is an Oscar <laughs> voter, that's a campaigner for these places, and they if they they want to listen to me, okay. <laughs> And use my wisdom, which I don't know how I have wisdom, but somehow y'all people listen to me. And I'm on this show, so I'm going to say it. <laughs> Steven Yeun is not a lead performance. Thank you. I, I know I agree with you. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when Mike and I covered it. We, uh, we thought that despite the arguments out there and the posturing, and I understand that the kid is not someone you can necessarily market or campaign but it's the kids' movie, structurally speaking, and he is a supporting performance. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's a bit of a category fraud performance, but he does not have more screen time than the last three best supporting actor winners in that category. No, nope. no way you you can tell me. I mean, do the math. No, I mean, there's there's no way he has more screen time than <laughs> than Brad Pitt. <laughs> I mean, like Brad Pitt. Right. Brad Pitt has like literal sequences that you remember. You're like, oh, like Spawn Ranch alone you're like god he's the lead of this movie isn't he um you know i mean but mahershala the, and rockwell they yeah. both i mean they both had huge sequences yeah, yeah no i agree but i i and alan kim alan s kim is the is the character or is the child mm-hmm. um in this film that is the the lead um you know who plays david and he's extraordinary in this film um he's a great child actor and i have so many problems with child actors ruining movies aka looper Uh, (laughs) oh no not the well i love looper i I almost love looper but i have an issue with i mean that happens where you just can't cast the kid and they cast i mean even the sister for her job in this movie she's excellent Mm -hmm. uh, a wonderful job by the casting in minari well i think of this too and 
I'm I'm sorry to everyone out there if you think I'm going to make you all sound like you know you're being a little racist, but you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna point it out. Um, we didn't have a problem putting Jacob Tremblay and talking about him as a lead. We didn't have a problem talking about Brooklyn Prince for the Florida Project when Defoe went supporting and right. got the nomination. Well, you, yeah, you're not being racist. No, you're calling I'm calling it. it no, yeah. what I'm saying is, is guys, think about it. You know, yeah. what do those two performances have in common and what is this one? I'm just I'm just I'm just pointing it out. I'm just saying that representation, you know, it matters. And and you all want to put Steven Young in because he's the biggest name in this cast in lead. Mm-hmm. But come on. To be fair, well, to be fair, I think Defoe yeah, Defoe had less screen time than Yun in the True, Prince. But driven there film. was but you're right. But there is this point of the children are mm-hmm. This movie is told through their perspective. It's you yes. spend so many chunks of time with them. I could make the damn argument if we're going to do this. Stephen Yun as best actress that the grandmother is lead actress. Then at that point, <laughs> yeah. Then you want to play that right, card? Right. I'll play it. But just it's an ageist sort of way of thinking about campaigning that drives me a little nuts. And but it's also the name, and it's it is yeah, that it drives me nuts. Too. And I right. know Stephen they've Yun is they've name. already pushed him out there. They're going to push him for lead, and I mm-hmm. think it could hurt him in terms of nomination. I really do. I uh, I do wonder if they think that supporting is just so loaded. Maybe it is a strategic call, and it might it might prove true because guys are going to crash the party like Daniel Kaluuya, perhaps. And, and depending and on more. where that one's going to go, because I mean, it, yeah. you know, I could you could see the argument that they yeah they move. You know, Coleman Domingo, perhaps. Yeah, yeah I mean, they tough. could, they could. Oh, yeah. I mean, for Ma Rainey, right? Uh, because they moved, right. ch- moving Chadwick to lead sort of changes everything. Um, mm-hmm. But for Ma Rainey, but then also too, you know, yeah. I mean, we still don't know where the one night in Miami crew is going to go and how they're going to do it. But um, I think it's a mistake, and, and and we get mad at category fraud all the time. This is a category fraud, <laughs> like, and and the, it it to me is an when you go to categories, it's who, who is the film's perspective from? Who is the main mm-hmm. character? And that should who should run. Like perfect example that I make is is that Olivia Coleman should never have won lead actress because that's Emma <laughs> right. Stone's that film. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. She's well, lead. it goes back to the you know, the Godfather, right? With uh, yeah, I mean Brando. Pacino is Pacino is yeah. total lead. Like not even like Brando is total supporting. He's literally in a hospital bed for half the damn film. You know what I mean? <laughs> like mm-hmm. people don't talk about it, but they're like, oh, but it's Marlon Brando. It's Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. No, I don't care if it's Marlon Brando. I don't care if it's Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. But it's not right. You know. That, that being said, they you know Yorgos and company over there. They did right by by Olivia Coleman. It was yeah. a strategic It was call. such a strategic she could win that. But the problem is is that this is to me it's not strategic. Like this okay. to me I think actually hurts him. Like I think he could go easily easily cuz the performance is so strong. Yeah. You could put him in supporting and it's a, and I would lock it in right now. I would. I I think you could. If he mm-hmm. because and then it'd be three spots cuz I think it's him and Murray and you would lock that in. In an actor He's maybe five, six. Yeah, he's, seven? he's reckoning with some you know, huge names huge and undeniable names. Per- performance. Huge names, and that's the thing is too. Supporting actor, you have a lot of people that are going to have to come in, right? 
like yeah. that are are, are 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 new to the crowd like the the when in miami crew or a lot of the you know the, the like sasha Baron cohen's never been nominated for an oscar but hey, all those guys could cancel themselves out you know stuff like that can happen and so to me i love a24 they make great films they release wonderful content but they're sort of shooting themselves in the foot here with this one and yet i will say he is wonderful in this movie he is extraordinary in this movie it is the scenes with you know with his family and him in the garden are are extraordinary and i mean it is it is the just the the heartbreaking realizations that you see i'm not gonna spoil it for people just go and watch this thing when you come out i mean I truly think if A24 can do the right campaign, they could they have another moonlight on their hands. Like I really do I I really think that. But they they might have a built-in vehicle to to fast track this movie and that's the four quadrant appeal of Apple TV Plus where they are putting out one film after the next and one TV show after the next that is really broad appeal stuff where it's a safe space kind of watch. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the streaming service right now as comfort food. Yeah. And this movie actually, it really, like you said, slaps before. I don't want to use the kids saying as much <laughs> as I, I, I kind of want to, but I, look, this movie is a crowd pleaser yeah. for much of it. And then it, you know, it becomes a bit of an art film in the third act yeah. and it feels a little more like literature. However, the highs are really high. It reminds me a little bit of the, you talk about like a book structure reminds me of yeah. like Mudbound, the childlike aspects remind me of the Florida <laughs> project. Um, the art house sort of style reminds me of Moonlight. The the but better written, I would say, than all of those, in my opinion. Well, okay, it's not better written than Moonlight, but come down there. Oh, okay, um, but, all right, fine. Okay. Uh, well, Moonlight, no, yeah, it's not better written than yeah, Moonlight, but the, the first yeah, two. Right? An yeah. adaptive screenplay okay. winner, uh, one of the best scripts of all time. Uh, <laughs> come down, uh, but <laughs> no, um, uh, we're on a high train, baby. Uh, but <laughs> but, uh, but uh, it's also to me what the farewell was missing last year. Mm-hmm. People got all mad last year. Why the farewell didn't connect with the voters because at the core of it, while I loved Lulu Wong's film, I mean, it's, it's, it's great film. No, no mm-hmm. disrespect Lulu. I'm just, so don't come for me. Right. I know you she, got, she would be I know you and Barry right? got, yeah. got your, your, your Disney money now. So don't come for me. All right. <laughs> but, um, but the fact of the matter is, is that is very much it feels very much like a, a, a you know a chinese story right okay. and it's set primarily in china it's set away from it's america about the culture clash this yeah, is this is an american dream story right this is this totally. is very much about a, a well, korean film trying play. to make it in in, in a, you know a korean family trying to make it here in america and Agreed. and people and, can connect yeah. with that on a pure and that's why level. it should go to Apple TV Plus. Oh no? yeah, this thing should be coming out around they the holidays. The yeah, that not waiting until February uh, in January. This should be coming out during the holidays, and people should see this with their families because there's stuff in there that's really funny that you can relate with your family. And then yes, it, it's there are tough dramatic sequences, but ultimately, I think a lot of us can sort of come back and relate to a lot of aspects in the film. 
and by the end of it, I mean, you, you're just bawling your eyes out. It's, it is, there's a reason why it's winning all the audience awards at these festivals. It's, 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 it's an impeccable film. Impeccable. It's yeah. It, it's really, it's one of the, I mean, other than Nomadland, maybe it is building the resume and build and, and, and forming that grassroots campaign that you hope comes out of the festivals. So now I, I do, it was going to be a burning question at the end of the show about what, uh, what they do with it and what a 24, I mean, they seem to be, you know, sitting on a treasure trove of potential late breakers oh, yeah. and whatnot. But I think dude, I think we kind of want to break here and maybe make this a two parter. Are you good with that? Yeah. Can you, can you hang a little longer? I can hang a little longer. Yes. yes, yes. All right. So we're going to, we're going to, cut out now and give you guys an extra episode at the end of the week where we do the second half of this uh, deep dive into the awards calendar and then some burning questions but we really dove into the performance races today and, and a lot of the performances coming out of the film festival so thank you for that ryan ryan before we get out of here can you let the people know what you got going on where they can find you on the internet and and what's coming up Oh, absolutely you can find me on twitter and instagram at ryan mcquade 77 um you can find me over at in session film uh, i'm the associate editor over there we have a ton of writers that are you know working their tails off getting a lot of these reviews out uh different content classic stuff um we have you know various pieces um you know each and every day and you can find that at in session film.com you can also find my other writings over at award circuit at film speak and at awards radar um you know, three wonderful websites. You can catch all of those amazing writers there. As for podcasting, um, you can find me back over at In Session Film where I do extra film, um, where we're in the middle of a Powell and Pressburger movie series right now, along we're partnering that with uh, new releases as well, though it's starting to become slim pickings towards the end of the year. And uh, there also you can catch me doing Chasing the Gold, which is the Oscar show um, where the mics have been on before and been wonderful guests. And, uh, we might have them on again soon. Who knows? Let's do it. Well, thank you again, Ryan, and uh, thank you for hanging on for part two of this conversation. Tune in on Wednesday, folks, for that. Or maybe, yeah, probably be on Wednesday. And otherwise, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at Facebook, Instagram, at Gmail, uh, and uh, Mike, Mike, and Oscar.com is what I've been working on so diligently of late. That's why you haven't been getting out quite as much stuff from us, but it, it, is, be, it is getting close. Thank God. Uh, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff on the website. Otherwise, we are at MM and Oscar on Twitter. And if you could please rate our shows five stars on Apple Podcasts, rate and review all our stuff wherever it is in the podcast world. That does a lot to help us grow organically. So we thank you for that. And we will see you guys next time.